Plot, 23 Paces to Baker Street, 1956, written by Grants, a blind playwright, Philip Hannon, is sitting in a pub when he overhears a suspicious conversation. The two people in the next booth appear to be plotting a crime. Hannon informs the police but they are convinced his suspicions are merely due to the workings of his dramatical mind. Undeterred, he sets out to work out the mystery himself. However, this puts his own life in danger. Voice over off. When you're blind and watching movies, what will you find? A blind superhero whose superpowers are acting like he's not blind. A sighted actor overdramatically touching people's faces. And maybe the whole joke is that they're bumping into different places. A spectacular. to Citizen White Cane, the podcast that has an eccentric view of media, tracks disabled representation, and overall has a fixation with everything related to blindness. My name is Sky McLeod. I'm Melissa Bakta. And those were a bunch of puns related to how <laughs> your vision works and tracking things. Uh, so it goes Perfect. out there for all those <laughs> visions specific to how the eyes move nerds um <laughs> there you go there you go that'll blindness, work yeah <laughs> um anyway today we are watching 23 paces or we watched already 23 mm-hmm. paces to baker street yes which my favorite fact about this movie is that when you write it on your notes app on the iphone it thinks you're writing an address and oh, you can yes. click on it and apparently go to an address of some kind <laughs> it did that to me too it's very funny to me. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened to me with any other movie. So that's the perfect. The, yeah. Um, it was your uh, week to pick. So what? Um, yeah. Did was there a specific inspiration for this movie? I was kind of piggybacking off of last week's yeah. movie and still feeling in that noir kind of detective groove. Um, this wasn't as noir as I would like, but it was <laughs> noir like. Noir like. It was definitely more of a uh, thriller mystery than Eyes of the Night. Yeah, or, yeah Eyes in the Eyes, Night. Eyes in the Night. These sorry. both have yeah. long names yes. that are hard to remember. Um, yeah, but this one definitely focused more on the mystery aspect than uh, necessarily than the characters. In the last film, I feel like we got to know a lot more about those characters in that film than we did in yeah. this film. Yeah, this is- was less of a character study. It was a lot more of like a mystery. Yeah, yeah. It, it right. was heavy on the like, what's going on? How are we going to solve? Which I, because okay, so the name is sort of an homage to Sherlock Holmes. Yes, even though there's no Baker Street is not really in the movie. No, uh, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, the, he does say, uh, Phil, our, our our blind writer, blind playwright, does say the phrase 23 paces to Baker Street and when he's helping give directions to right. someone who can't see or, it, because of fog. Right, because of fog see. and they don't have their glasses and he's like, oh, what a, it must be so hard to be handicapped and not able to see. Ha, ha, <laughs> right. Ha. I am a blind person, but no one knows that I'm blind because apparently that's what every blind person wants in a movie. Um, yeah, to see, to see. Yeah, or yeah. to like not have anyone know that they can't see. Um, but this is, this movie takes place well in the comet, in the era that it was made in, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's following World War Two in London. In, yeah, yeah. So um, actually, an interesting, I read up about on why, because I was like, it's so weird. It's like a Hollywood production just mm-hmm. randomly filmed in London. Right. And apparently after the war, when Britain did not have a lot of money, they were not releasing the money that was made from films to the states, they were keeping it. So it was like frozen funds is what it was called. Oh, wow. And so because the it was still money that was owed to the, the production companies, but they weren't able to bring it back to the U.S., they would use it to for production in 
England so that they could have they could use those funds that they that was basically trapped in Britain to make movies. Okay. And it was so which was like apparently just a weird thing that happened in the 50s. I'd never heard about. That's um, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. because it, it didn't I didn't necessarily didn't think it was very odd that both of our leads are American. I mean, technically, they're. I would count the butler as an, as another lead because he's in all of the movie. Yeah. But the two leads here, uh, Van jo- Van Johnson and uh, Vera Mills, are both American. And, yeah, and I thought, huh, this is this is really interesting that she also happens to be here. Right. Well, that was the thing. That's why I was so... And I was also just like, this is not a British production. So I was... All, oh, you know, right. It's just yeah. very confusing why mm-hmm. they had to have it in England. So when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, that makes way more sense because it is... So apparently a lot of the movies in the 50s were just took place in England randomly that like a lot of Hollywood films would... They did that frequently. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I need to go back now and, and look at a list because that's... <laughs> that it's, is so cool. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so that's so that's why it randomly takes place in London, even though we have yeah the main character is from New York and his ex fiance follows right. him it to London. Just happens to walk into his apartment in like the second scene. Oh, guess what? I'm here. Right, which is so funny because we're like just meeting these characters and they're like we're finding out their backstories that he is just randomly now living in London. Because he lost his, he's a playwright who lost his vision recently. So he's, a, so I think like he's not right. I read somewhere online they were saying that, which I missed this, but that he wasn't writing new plays. He was just rewriting, which I think they imply this at the beginning of yeah, the movie. Yeah. That he's like not, instead of writing new plays, he's just rewriting the ones he has. Yeah, I guess they, they right. do talk about that. Because he he and Bob, uh, his, his butler slash helper, um, played by Cecil Parker, uh, he and Bob have a conversation about uh, how, what's the point of rewriting all of the lines when the actors aren't really saying them the way he wants to anyway, and he's just, Phil is just in a funk. Yeah, which is just kind of like, because I I guess, do they, it might be in the movie, they don't, do they officially state that the reason why he's not writing anything new is because he's now blind? Like that he had written the p- previous play while he was sighted? I didn't feel like he hasn't. He wasn't writing because he was blind. He just was had writers had a major case of writer's block. Okay, well, it could be that there was either we just didn't think this and it was part of it, or it could have been a weird interpretation by right. some random person on the internet just, that was wrong. We just didn't pick it up. Um, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's there, we just didn't pick it up. Yeah, but I, but it is, I mean, his relationship to blindness, though, is very weird. Like, and some of it is genuinely problematic, just the fact that he's just like, well, my life is over now. <laughs> like, it is like on the, like, I always joke about that when I'm like, well, at least in this movie, the guy isn't like, my life is completely over. But mm-hmm. he kind of is like Kind that. of, yeah. He's he's <laughs> lost and looking for something to do. He just yeah. wants, he feels like his blindness has cut him off from the world and he just wants something to do, damn it. how capable he is. And it's also weird because he... They kind of have it both ways because he then uses his blindness almost in a way that you would expect because he like smells someone's perfume and can identify exactly the perfume. So that's like, okay, that seems like, again, cliche. That's a, you know, a trope with Mm -hmm. blind characters, Mm -hmm. as we found out. But it's also like doesn't seem like someone who just went blind would necessarily have like the same level of this. His light sensitivity kind of sort of flip flops. And that was really throwing me off because I just I won't. In he he doesn't necessarily need light, uh, but obviously when he's in his apartment, Bob and or Jean are usually there with him, so they have they have lights on. But um, in the scene where he is being double crossed by Mister Merch, he is taken to an abandoned building and told that the that the lights are on, and of, and of course the lights right. are not on. But and it's he, like a burnt out building that doesn't seems like doesn't right. even have lights. Right? No, it doesn't. It's just an old burnt out building. Yeah, yeah. and yet. <laughs> and I know I'm totally jumping around here, but and yet in the last scene, he's dousing all the lights a la in the dark. Right. It's exactly so or wait until dark. Wait, yeah. Sorry. Wait until which, dark. Thank you. Yes. Which this predates. <laughs> so this was this was, a, a would imagine, somewhat the inspiration for wait until dark. Actually, I think I read Maybe. that as well. Yeah. Because mm, okay. the wait until yeah. dark is the 60s. So this was that yes. was, I think, and somewhat inspired by this oh, movie. Oh, OK. That makes that that does make sense. Yeah. And yet he's dousing all the lights. And so I'm like. <laughs> So it's not super important, but the, his light, it's very inconsistent and it bugged me. Well, his light sensitivity, um, 
Well, the fact that he's able to find the lights, is it like, because I just assumed he knew where all the lights were. Right, because that's his apartment. Right. And so that that's why he was like destroying all of them. But it seemed like he had no light perception. Okay. That was the implication I always got. But his performance was not always that. That was not clear necessarily in the performance fully. It was like one of those weird things where it felt consistent in the plot beats but like when Mm -hmm. you actually are watching the movie it felt like after the plot beats happened like after you decided what the plot beats were you kind of would forget he was blind like he because the acting was kind of all over the place yeah like uh... and also he the fact that he became blind recently is the i think for me the biggest plot hole of Mm -hmm. just like okay well you want him to be this blind character but he's really like shouldn't be it because he isn't like he hasn't lived with blindness for very long Mm -hmm. so he's not necessarily going to have all these like inbred (laughs) skills of of, like a blind person when he just went blind yeah all of a sudden (laughs) I'm blind and now I can pick someone out by their perfume and I can tell that this was crime was committed by multiple people because they were wearing the same perfume right which I was just like why do we need him to have just gone blind also like it didn't it felt like it created because it created drama with him and his ex-fiance because he also decided he couldn't marry this woman because Mm -hmm. he was blind now which is another trope that I hate Um, yeah yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. and it's funny because I actually I actually did like this movie but I just felt like the stuff with him being all of the like woe is me I'm just went blind stuff was not only like I don't like that stuff but it also just didn't need to be there at all like it felt out of place like Mm -hmm. I never figured out why they did that and it felt like they were undercutting their own movie by doing that I didn't really understand why he needed to have just gone blind this movie took me a little bit more to settle into than last week like from the jump uh it with last week's movie, I was in it. I was in it to win it. I was so excited. This one, I was a little fidgety. I took a little bit more time to settle into what the movie was because I was thinking, you know, I'm still in 1940s noir brain and this is not <laughs> that, this is not what that movie is. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a little jarring. Also, the fact that I just didn't really connect to any of the characters immediately I connect to Mac and Friday and and Marty and and uh, all of those people in that movie immediately I was just like I know everything about you and I'm I'm great perfect I can I can keep going now this movie I felt a little bit uh, I don't know kind of out to see I could I didn't really know what to make of everybody yeah at the beginning and maybe that's the point but I, I also didn't really like or connect with anybody very much yeah it's interesting (laughs) I found this movie weirdly more engaging than last week Mm. I think I I think it was I was less interested in the characters for both of them (laughs) I felt like some of the character stuff didn't like because I don't know maybe it's just like the 40s or the 50s I'm like the more you build up this character the more offended I'm gonna be (laughs) by like gender (laughs) politics so I didn't really want the characters to be all that like fleshed out Um, but that's my own weird bias but I do kind of like the like I liked the the mystery aspect of it like it felt more like a yeah I don't even like chess but it it, it Mm -hmm. had more of that like the vibe of like even though the mystery is like not the in the end it's not the most amazing mystery ever no there was a lot more just like what are they gonna do or like it felt like you get to kind of like you were a little bit more in the you get to look around whereas it was with Mm -hmm. the last week I was like okay well I don't have to do anything because uh well you just said his name and I forgot Mac Mac (laughs) is like he's gonna do it for me and so I don't have to pay attention at all whereas I feel like in this movie I was like oh if I pay attention maybe I can figure out what happens I think I think in this movie the acting is a lot more what we come to know as naturalistic or modern acting whereas it's last week we were in the you know we're in 19 1942 acting was still everything was still very big and theatrical and I I think that's true yeah Yeah. and I think I connected a lot more with that than I did with this movie and again I'm not saying this movie is bad I actually very much enjoyed this too I love a good mystery but I it was kind of sort of hard to get into the headspace of this versus last week when I had so much fun last week and I wouldn't (laughs) necessarily call this movie fun but it is very enjoyable and it is it is very engaging engaging. yeah it's fun it does take a bit to build up but I actually yeah I think I I did really 
feel kind of like I started being invested in it a lot quicker, I think, in a weird way. But but I do just think that it was the characters are not driving it as much. Like, it really is not... The characters are not super well thought out. Like, they're very... They're kind of archetypical, and they don't... You need to go past that. Um, so I think that that is definitely a valid critique. It's... it's it's. It, I guess it's basically trying to do a different thing, is what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a whole different style of, uh, of filmmaking. But and, they are very I, I similar that. in, like, what the story... Like... They do have a similar vibe of just what the kind of story, you know, like they they feel like they could exist. With, you have a main blind character that's sort of figure, you know, using their like ingen- ingenuity and like non-visual information to kind of be one step ahead of people in a way that or at least as a team they are like, you know, with a butler and a, you know, ex- yeah, like there's just so much there's there's so much that is similar to the two movies but I think yeah it's just this one was way more interested in kind of the the what is the crime that we're trying to piece together and a lot more of the like a like a bird's eye view of what's going on Mm -hmm. which the which last week it was not like that at all actually because they were like confusing and in the end you're like wait what was the thing (laughs) what it was so convoluted it it was very yeah and it it was just very character driven yeah right where this this movie is the exact much more story yeah yeah. yeah, which I mean, it's 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 really interesting to look at the two of them together. It kind of reminded me, and this movie in a way reminded me of uh, Blink. If it was there weren't really characters as much, <laughs> <laughs> but you do have like someone who's mm-hmm. like our main character sort of does witness a yeah. It's not a crime in the act, but it's like a crime the ma- the machinations of one, the, yeah, the yeah. plotting of one, right? But yeah. with very little information, and the police are very unhelpful. And I did love that these police were just kind of unhelpful and didn't really mm-hmm. react until they were absolutely forced to react. And I liked that. That I appreciated that because I hate when the police come in at the end and are like now we're competent and now we understand everything that's <laughs> like, going on like and who did week. the crime yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah which yeah. happens a lot I mean like that what um uh, see no evil hear no mm-hmm. evil was also mm-hmm. like that where but that yes. one was extreme you were like how did the cops <laughs> how did they just completely change their whole theory of the crime for no reason um so I liked that these cops just kind of were like whatever you know this is just a blind man who doesn't know what he's talking about we're just gonna fuck off and then like then they he kind of comes back to them a couple times and they're like nah we're still gonna fuck off and then eventually they're like oh well someone died um so and And he like has a very specific theory now so they're like well I guess we'll try now right and I mean it, it is nice in a way to see uh, to watch Phil's character get more frustrated and more uh, lost because he, he isn't he's frustrated because no one will believe him. But then he's frustrated because he can't just figure it out. He has, you know, he hasn't the ability to just snap his fingers and put all the pieces together. Right. You get to watch him fit all of the pieces in the puzzle. And that's also, I think, he. this one felt especially like you were kind of at the same pace as him, which I yes, like, too. Yeah. I didn't feel, I felt like when he had realizations, it was at a time that made, that I was sort of, like, able to at least, if not sort of come to that realization. The fact that he came to it, I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Like, and, and there was a lot of things that he like leads that he followed I felt a lot more like oh I could be this guy like you Mm -hmm. know I think that that I related to him a lot more I mean maybe just like being a playwright I was like oh I would this is totally the kind of thing I would do I would totally overhear a conversation (laughs) and then be like oh my god what's going on but he does he's a little bit reckless in a way that I was Mm -hmm. concerned about because he does like put out the person that he's who he thinks would be the victim of this whole situation he like puts their name in the newspaper to call right. him which Just, I'm like don't do that no no well yeah and of course Gene and and Bob are like you stupid you know what what are you doing and then of course this this decision although in the end it does get him to the person he needs to talk to i.e. Miss Merch this decision almost gets him killed well, it almost gets him killed and it does get Miss yes, Merch killed un- and that's the part yeah. I was like she's going to die because of this right. behavior and so that part pissed me off because I was like dude you can't just do that that's like and then he feels guilty which horribly I mean, guilty he does, the, the, yeah. he 
it really fucks him up in the middle of the movie, especially with with Gene. And he's just, you know, going to sit there in his chair and drink himself into a stupor because he basically killed her. Yeah, which is... I mean, I was glad that they didn't just, like, kind of offhandedly, you know, they weren't, like, totally, oh, well, whatever, you know, she was going to die anyway or something, you know, that he did feel remorse right. and her death, guilt for it. Her death meant something. It, right. She right. wasn't just some inconsequential body. But yeah. I was also just, like, the whole time was like, don't do this. This puts her in danger. Like, this is so, like, it just, it, that was when my domestic violence training came in handy. I'm like, don't fucking do this. You're putting mm-hmm. her in danger. Like, and, and you have to, especially with that because it's like she is being threatened. That's what he overhears. So it's that is such a sticky situation. You want to be so careful. Like, and really having an amateur doing that when, like, you know, not that I think the cops ever do a very good job of, but like just to have someone who doesn't know what they're doing, it's mm-hmm. very stressful to me. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, no, she's gonna be in more danger. You're gonna put her in more danger by doing right. this. And he does. And but. I think that's finally when he has the realization that this isn't just some, you know, lark. This isn't just some fun little parlor mystery that he can solve because he's bored. Right. And he, he doesn't he doesn't necessarily <clears throat> kind of necessarily get into all of this because he wants to do a good deed he's bored and yeah this, there's and a he, little bit of that yeah, or that he has a first. purpose well and right, that's even what right. his ex-fiance uh she says something about how she's like this is the first time i've seen like she says that to the cops she's like it's the first time i've seen him excited in a long time right about anything yeah <laughs> it's not necessarily the titillation of murder or even solving a crime that gets him out and about it, it's finally i can i have something to do and right, a purpose i have, yeah exactly i have a purpose which i mean is a fair critique of how we treat disabled people or blind people especially in society I mean, we have a lot of job discrimination and there's we are extremely capable people mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but what the opportunities we were given do not match our capabilities mm-hmm. and we are commonly completely discriminated against and in very sneaky ways of like we're not right. accommodated right. even if accommodations shouldn't be that hard like or or even employers are not given the opportunity to accommodate us in a way that's, you know, even when it seems pretty reasonable to be able yeah. to. Like, yeah. and so I think that that rang true to me of like him feeling like he has a purpose. It's also, you know, it, I mean, and then it's also really sad that he, you know, he's moping about his blindness, but he's also just so capable. So you're kind of just like, mm-hmm. It, it's that combination of like, does what do the mo- what do the people writing this really think? Like it was, yeah, that that capable, kind of trip. Yeah, capable, but not necessarily a super crip. No, that Honestly, was what I really liked about it. Yeah. I think he was even less of a super crip this week than, than, than Mac. Mac was. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mac was pretty super crippy. Yeah. But yeah. He really, like, we see how fallible he is, too. And we see how much work, like, you know, even though I don't like the, like, pretending to be blind, like, or sorry, not pretending to be blind, pretending to be sighted plants uh, where he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be more in danger if I don't pretend to be sighted. Right. But, like, the way that he gets tricked and what he has to do to pretend that he's cited and how much work he has to do and the kind of subtlety of that whole thing I thought actually worked really well of just like even though it's for me I was like you know this whole thing again I thought of the movies we've watched that was one of the best portrayals of that because he really was Mm -hmm. in a dangerous situation Mm -hmm. and he as we saw was right to be worried that if the guy figured out he was blind which he did that he could be put in danger Um, and he he was absolutely was (laughs) and it did happen so he was like justified in his concern and the work he had to do with the bartender to be like okay you're going to this is what exactly what you have to do to tell me if it's the person that you saw but then also you know just to make sure like how he had to she had to give him clues in or kind of lead him around um to be safe and I I think also the fact that the stakes really were his life in that situation made it at least more justified than some of the things where we watch where it's like someone's like well I don't want to come off as a blind person it's like okay well you're gonna have to get used to it at some point you know like but this was actually about his like his life was on the line in a way um so I I really thought that that scene worked very well despite it being something that I generally kind of I'm like whatever I thought it was definitely (laughs) the best portrayal um you really like you 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 better understand the stakes in general of his blindness I think 
I think that he, the stuff with the fiance, the ex-fiance, I don't think made a lot of sense to me. I mean, it's also not really necessary to the plot. No, yeah. I mean, I liked Jean as a character when she got started to get involved with the mystery. Yeah. But it's a very much, and obviously we know they get back together in the end. That's right. <laughs> not a huge spoiler. They're going to get back <laughs> together in the end. Uh, but I, it feels really forced and it just happens because you know it has to happen. Right. So I think it's cool that she's here because it's nice to have at least, you know, one female character that we can root for that doesn't die. Yeah. But I'm not, except to be his sounding board I'm and to have the fight at the end, I'm not exactly sure what her purpose was. If yeah. Any, I mean, well, she does some of the sleuthing. I mean, she at one point does like she goes in as a um, a parent pretending to be true, a parent needing um, to have a... Um, like a, a, a nanny a nanny yeah mm-hmm. that's what they're called um and so that's like important to the plot so she actually does like she is part of the scheme like she does participate in a way of being helpful in like the the broader scheme but i think i didn't her character yeah i mean i guess at the end she has they have to have a fight so that she leaves him right and for the final battle yeah and i'm such an idiot that i didn't figure out i didn't put two and two together until he was dousing all the lights and then I realized oh "Oh, right he couldn't just he couldn't just tell her to get the fuck (laughs) out he had to break her heart so that she would leave right okay where I was just like why is even having her I guess because she drives him back home but I was like now they have to fake fight or like he's gonna like fucking piss her off and then there's gonna be a whole dramatic scene but I mean that yeah that oh I guess that she needed, but then again, if I guess if her character didn't exist, then we wouldn't have needed that scene. But mm. uh, but I I don't yeah I liked her as a character if she was a little bit more she had more agency because I mm. like that she's kind of like coming back and being like I don't kind of putting up with him and like you know not entirely putting up with his shit about being blind and I kind of liked her right, to begin with because right. she's kind of just like you're being a little wimp about this like like you need a you know chill out and like stop being like what was he I, about this yeah i would have preferred if they had decided in the end to make amends and start over not just okay we're gonna go back to we're rapturously in love with each other and everything is fine right i i think that would have been a more real uh relationship or at least a more real ending but it's the 50s and this yeah. is and it's american cinema and this is how it's going to end so there's you nothing i can do, do about it yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I think her, the fact that he's just like, I can't date you because I'm blind. That's mm. one of the tropes. I'm just that's, like, let's never it's have It's so that over. It's, it's I'm so, so done with it. that. Yeah. yeah. And Please. it's hard because we've been doing this podcast for a year and a half and like, this is the 50s. So, so much of very little of what we've watched existed when this was made, you know, so there's, so it's also like, it's not necessarily as over, it's definitely not overplayed in the same way we're looking at it. <laughs> I guess we, we are looking at, you know, 60 movies or whatever that came after mm. this movie mm-hmm. chronologically. So in some ways it could have just started trends that I don't like, but but I do think that some of this stuff is kind of, we never needed, we never needed a blind person who just couldn't be in a relationship. Like, that was always toxic. Like, that was never a good thing. <laughs> like, because disabled people could be in happy, healthy relationships. Absolutely. And with, with disabled people or with non-disabled people. Yeah. And I don't need to watch a man, you know, be chivalrous or, or a woman be chivalrous because... Uh, oh, I yeah, I just can't put you in that position. To be with me as yeah. a, now that I am of a different identity. You know, now I'm unlovable, basically, which is just, it's it's so obnoxious because it's like, able people wrote this movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it are starring in the movie. So, like, to do that is actually just doing harm to a community you're not part of like it's actually like it feels very sinister to me of just like they're you're basically telling an entire community of people that you're not a member of that they don't deserve love and when you say like that it seems really bad but in a movie it's okay (laughs) Um, right and unfortunately being two blind people who've grown up watching movies all of our lives we're not going to necessarily remember the ending where he, where he gets the girl or she gets the guy and they ride off into the sunset what you're what's going to stick with you is the fact that this character feels so unloved and when you see, it doesn't feels like they aren't worthy enough or don't deserve love and when when that is all you're seeing over and over right. and over again it really leaves uh, an impression yeah an impression and it does exactly. on everyone i think and like it does on abled people too and so then we have to deal with that as well that like the people that we might want to 
date are also poten- mm-hmm. you know have lived mm-hmm. in this culture as well and it just right. does such cascading harm <laughs> like right well and that's that's why when something like the greatest showman came along uh i just kind of avoided it like the plague at first because i really wasn't sure about how they were going to treat the quote unquote freaks uh, in the movie and when i finally heard the song um this is me for the first time i broke down and just started sobbing because there are lines in the song uh i am brave i am bruised uh i am i am worthy i just des- you know i deserve love and those, that's not <laughs> word for word how the <laughs> lyrics go basically but yeah. to actually hear that in a song for the first time and realize oh my gosh yeah this is a song about singing uh, about being worthy for love and that you deserve it no matter no matter who you are yeah yeah it is it's a weird tangent sorry no 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 but I I I think that's a good I that is something that I think we just get so used to also disabled portrayals being Mm -hmm. negative or problematic that yeah that that's something that could be we avoid (laughs) yeah well and that was the first time that I can remember hearing something explicitly say that right which yeah yeah no I mean I really it is something that I think is so we need so much more of that and like it even can seem seems hand-fisted if you think about it but at the same time it's like there's so much damage that's been done right (laughs) that we like need things that are actively like even though it shouldn't it should be obvious but things that are like disabled people deserve love like Mm -hmm. and it is sad that we still have to have the conversation of like we need representation that's just acknowledging this fact or we're going to continue to like live in a world where you know, children watch this media and are brought up and thinking that they don't deserve love if they're born this way. And especially with someone like with a character that's become disabled. And it's like Mm -hmm. that relationship started when he was a disabled person. So even like if he learns the lesson of like, I can still be loved when I'm when once I'm a blind person, this is still a relationship he had before he was blind. So it's not like he met her while he was blind. So like, I think for me watching this, I would even still, if I was going to gleam something, I'd be like, oh, well, I was born blind. And so the fact that I never was in a relationship before I was blind means that I, you know, this doesn't really apply because, you know, it's still only a sighted person can be in a, you know, can make that relationship happen at all. So I think that that also cheapens it on top of it. Like he doesn't fully learn the lesson that when it's framed that way but it's also just like I think it's it's so unnecessary to the plot that it is it does feel like just an assumption of the writer like because there's really no reason for I mean I guess other than like really that she's that she she needs to have also come from New York with like because she they're both randomly in London even though they both are New Yorkers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so is that why she needs to have they need to be broken up like that doesn't make any sense is there like any real plot reason i mean i just figured she they broke up she decided they broke up multiple times she still decided that she couldn't live without him that she still was in love with him so she follows him to london right to try and and make things right but then like Mm -hmm. is that is is her like him breaking up with her because he's blind is that necessary to the just the mechanics of the plot like is that a plot device because i don't really understand how we need that like couldn't she just be his what if he she was just his wife right sure why not why not no i guess it's it's a love then they're not a love story right it's definitely no it's definitely a plot device i mean it's it's their their relationship is tension there there's always tension in their relationship so it's just another one other layer of tension that that the filmmakers can or the writers can add to, yeah. to the story and like yeah like you said they have to you know fall in love in the end and right which i guess like after blah 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 if you had if they met somehow that like during his blindness then you'd have to well, set that up <laughs> sure yeah the one of the one of the nice things about this relationship is we don't have to establish very much because yeah. they already know each other which is kind of relieving i'm like i want to do, we don't we have don't time have to deal for with this cute. yeah like, <laughs> yeah we're just she's here murder happen or kidnapping happens murder happens okay let's go let's yeah yeah which is i mean and then we have kind of well i guess with sherlock holmes i don't just sherlock holmes is really does he have like, he does have a love interest in the same way I mean, Irene, is the, Irene Adler well, <laughs> would be his butler in this, I guess. Well, yeah. Watson, well, he's more of a love interest as well. 
in 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 a beautiful world yes uh, yeah in a perfect world yes um watson also isn't necessarily a butler watson is sherlock's assistant right uh, which this butler what's his character's name is bob bob, <laughs> bob. yeah funny. he's bob is is his we not, we're not sure if live in but his caretaker yeah. So butler slash caretaker slash Yeah, I guess he's sort helper. of like because he's blind is some of the assumption, but he also is a wealthy playwright. So yes, you can never tell how much of he is just like you have enough money to hire mm-hmm. someone in general oh, or well, if it's because he's blind. Right. And Bob also serves as a driver, too. Bob right. does everything. Bob does a lot. Yeah, he is <laughs> a he's a full service. He does a lot of uh, well, because he also like stocks a woman for a whole day in the rain and yes. then bitches about it for like, <laughs> ha- like half the movie uh, is him this monologue no, it's not I, lo- I love it though I love Bob Bob was my favorite part I of the movie him. I liked how cranky he was he's so I cantankerous yeah. I really did I like the, the, the love long, a good cranky like right staff the long suffering servant or staff <laughs> yeah, member yeah, yeah. who will absolutely come to Phil's aid you know when Phil almost falls out of a building yeah. basically Bob is there to save him but he's still a little he's just generally cantankerous he's, yeah yeah he's kind of like alfred that's the best yeah, thing he, i can he compare him to yeah, he's yeah, yeah very alfred yeah, yeah he really is yeah so he's like a little but i mean really i feel like the fiance whose character's name is jean jean mm-hmm. um i feel like she is probably more watson-esque in there because they do she does also do stuff with yeah. the mystery as well i would say they both uh, have Watson duties. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're just, they're, they're between the two of them, they're Watson. Right. He's got, he has two Watsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's, I mean, I, the, a blind Sherlock Holmes, I would watch that. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Like that, that is just very fun. Um, and I, I did like that this, this movie did not do that. I was also seeing there were some comparisons to uh, Rear Window. It's oh, like another dis- which is like yeah, yeah that's no fair. totally I can I can see that because the the entire movie almost takes place in this one apartment yeah a lot of it does and they filmed all the extra like the exteriors and everything in London but they did also film the the house is basically a soundstage and in LA you can tell yeah <laughs> looking looking out that window I'm just like mm. Mm, mwah, I love a good matte painting. Yeah, <laughs> but it you is. Can tell. <laughs> it's a yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's a very nice stage. Well, it's a blind character, so it doesn't have to look very good. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, they. so it is kind of... But, I mean, there's a decent amount of exteriors. they got to get oh, yeah. their money's worth. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is... The amount of the difference in fog from shot to shot on the <laughs> Thames is just very confusing to me. Yep. Like how much? I mean, I guess that was a volatile time, maybe for the for the Thames at that time. I don't know. I was trying to like look at the history of it. It was too confusing. Um, but yeah, that was a that's a London weird place to be. Uh, I imagine mm. the twenty, especially then, right after, after the, the war. war yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, and that's actually in the plot of the movie too. Mm-hmm. Like there's a decent amount of stuff about being like, oh, we just ended the war. You know, it's very of the time that it was made, which I kind of, I actually kind of like that. It's interesting to look at period pieces that are from another era, but like are, are modern when they came out. Like we, we, no, no, I like or, like it's interesting to look at period pieces that are from another era that oh. aren't the period piece. You know, because then gotcha. it's like the weird mix of time periods, yes, yes. Um, like Place in the Heart was weird like right. that. Um, but at the same time, I also kind of just like a movie that was from a while ago that was very much in the its time. Like, it's just fascinating. Even last week, too, like being like, mm-hmm. oh, what the, what were the, not what do we think about the Nazis in 42? Like, how are <laughs> they portrayed on screen? It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, there's a lot about. It, the war being over in this movie and kind of like London suffering at that time. Like they kind of paint a picture of London that's not super like, oh yeah, like fun, yeah, trendy. It, right. It feels <laughs> it feels very generic and almost boring in a way. Like but London, then, yeah. London, the city of London itself is not necessarily a character in the film. Yeah, I mean, it sort of is, though, because I feel like Mm. it's like the environmental issues of the time are very Mm. in there. Like, it's a weird kind of, like, a place, 
at a time that was not the best. It does have a kind of a, what would be the right word? Just There's a kind of like a dirty edge of it, you know, like that just feels right. kind of like you can tell that it was that was not the place to be for, uh, you know, well-functioning. It felt You feel the rundownness of it at that time. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. you can... The um, seediness of, of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the fact that it is so... And the, the fog, it did make me think of this fact that I found out about recently that I just can't stop thinking about, which Ooh. is that in London, in, like, the 20th century, like, and I think some of, like, the late 19th, century too there would just be like a week where the smog was so bad thousands of people would die what the fuck and i i want to like double i really want to double check to make sure if that i'm getting the number right for several days in 1952 on 5th of december um and lasting like four four days it says uh 12,000 people died what the fuck I know. That's insane. Just a bunch of Londoners just dropping dead. Thousands of Londoners. 12,000 people in four days because of smog. And that was actually, this movie was made only soon after. Oh, my God. Could have been produced at that time. Well, yeah, but I mean, you you have to wonder. Most of the fog in this movie is either done with camera tricks or or piped in they, yeah well they some make of their it is just fog. also some of the scenes where you're disoriented is just so dark that i'm like is oh, there anything on the screen didn't even try didn't even <laughs> yeah. try to figure it out yep i, I was miss, completely lost i deeply miss the audio descriptions in those moments because sometimes <gasps> when you watch something where you're like oh well literally no one can see what's happening mm. and the audio description is like saying the characters names and exactly yep. what they're doing and you're yep. like whoa yep. you could see yes this is a oh my god thing. right <laughs> i know what's happening now yeah yeah, yeah. I, there, there's a couple of key moments in this movie. I couldn't tell you what was happening. I don't know. Yeah, which it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell how much of it was like, everyone's disoriented. Everyone knows what the protagonist feels, which we're like, we don't need extra to know what the protagonist mm. feels. But yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was that or if it was just like a nighttime scene that just blind people were not going to be able to know what was happening. It's like Daredevil, the TV show, which does have audio descriptions. <laughs> yes. But it's so much of it is so dark. I'm like, I don't know what's going on without the audio descriptions <laughs> at all. Like so much of it is complete black screen um which i think is like sighted people can i think a lot of movies do that where they're like sighted people can relate to the blind person's experience but like just a black screen i mean right is so really relatable yeah Yeah. no there's very few i mean i guess maybe if you have absolutely no light perception Mm -hmm. but then also you're never watching a movie expecting to see anything like you're just there's no anyone who has some light perception that's not exactly what they're seeing like you know i mean some stuff i that you there is a range some people their blindness manifests primarily with like bad night vision and so it Mm -hmm. might be closer to their experience but as someone who's just everything is so blown out I'm like this is not relatable at all this is (laughs) the opposite of how I see the world um but yeah it is I don't know this movie it's 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 not bad no no it it really it really wasn't that bad at all um and in the end, obviously, Phil uh, solves the murder. And I thought the climax at his apartment, as much as it was very much wait until dark, even though this came before, yeah, uh, I still thought the the uh, tape recorders was a really yeah. great idea. I mean, way to go, way to absolutely disorient somebody. Yeah, that would have scared the shit out of me. You're in a dark room that you don't know, and all of a sudden you hear the same voice over and over and over again. And even and if coming can, from all the different areas right, of the house, right. and even if you can tell it's a recording, it's, it's still freaky. Well, that was the thing is I was like, because he we see him first before the plan unfolds. We see him recording it. And I was like, does he think that the person is going to think that the recording is him? Like, because right. it sounds like a recording and it's like, no, it's not that because it's like once he plays it all over the house, like they know that it's not him. In the Like, it's not just him. And it's like, because they don't know where he is and all the lights are off. Yeah, it was really cool because it wasn't just making, it's not like, oh, we're on the same level 
like, because we're in the darkness, which is what he says on the recording. Yes. But it's also, like, this would disorient a blind person, too. Right. Like, it's, like, using what he knows is disorienting. To, to disorient then, someone else. So it's, like, a double whammy, which I yeah. really liked. <laughs> I, I thought that was really inventive. Yeah. I, I thought that was awesome. That's that such was a, cool. That's such a cool way to get the upper hand on somebody with sound, basically. Yeah. It was, this movie had a lot of fun stuff. I mean, it was funny how many of the, like, tropes it hit. But then at the same time, I feel like they were, I think because probably they weren't tropes at the time, like mm-hmm. they became tropes maybe later on. And so I I feel like this movie just kind of like passes through the tropes fairly, like not totally in the muck of them. Like it's just like you kind of see them pass by, but you don't have to like dwell on the shitty tropiness of them. Like I thought that, and, and it uses a lot of the tropes, I feel like were more effective in this because they didn't I mean I think it really is probably just because they weren't tropes and so they were just Mm -hmm. like they were part Mm -hmm. of the plot and so they had a little bit more of a reason to be there than other things we've watched since where it's just like well we got to do this thing where they touch the face and there's a there's face touching it's very brief though it's very brief and I I I'm fine with it honestly it's they were they were in a relationship. They're getting back into that same relationship. He had just been through a traumatic moment. So had she because they had to fight. So right. I was like, eh, I'll, let we'll, it, we'll give I'll it a pass. Slide. I'll yeah, give it a pass. It's fine. It's funny. This had the most tropes that I feel like of a movie, and it also had the least tropes that bothered me of a movie. It was very weird. It was like I was like, oh, we just like did all the fucking tropes, but then each time I'm like, okay, I'll give <laughs> fine, this a pass. Yeah, this is fine. This is not. And even the ones that were more annoying than others, it's still they were just like they just didn't dwell on them enough for me to be that mm-hmm. mad about it. What I can't forgive is the the last two shots of the movie. So we're having breakfast. This is. Everything has been solved, and Gene and Phil are having breakfast. And they, um, Gene invites him outside onto his balcony. And when they're having breakfast, you can tell that it's probably morning or something because of the matte painting. But then they go out on the balcony to have their like big kiss and you know everything at the end of the movie, and it's sunset. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it just boop! It pu- it pulls out on them, and it's sunset. And the last <laughs> frame of this movie is ugly. There's an ugly sunset. The balcony is shot weird. They're like way off in the distance at this fucking wonky ankle <laughs> ankle angle and I hated it <laughs> so I'm like wow way to go movie way to, st- <laughs> way to stick the fucking landing I it's gross and I'm not a fan that's so funny I didn't even notice I think it just was not on enough for me to even totally cl- <laughs> I was like I don't even remember the shot at all oh no that's it's so horrible <laughs> it's not a good shot well I mean that's fair also tem- tem- temporally is that right? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you don't have breakfast at sunset usually. True, true. And I'm just like, this is, oh, it's driving me nuts. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. That, I mean, you want to go out with a, and, and yeah. that's, and that is during the face touching too. So yes. you're also like, oh, yes. face touching. Just one oh, after bad another. shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're like, this was so good. This is the best movie ever until now. And then, it <laughs> <laughs> just kind of sort of whiffs the landing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, this movie, it, it it trembles along. I think the whole sure, movie. I, sure. I I felt very engaged, but it's also not like it's it's not pushing you through. You know, it's it it's not just like gripping. Like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You know, it's just very. Right. It's taking its time. Right. It's just kind of meandering. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily on the edge of my seat until the apartment happened. Yeah, yeah. Really, that's when I was like, oh my god. Okay, it's gonna go down. Like this is gonna happen now. Yeah, it is. It's a good. It's almost like a good like Netflix series where mm-hmm. it's like everything. It felt like that. Like the endings were good. That I felt like I want to just watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I felt like the climax was a real like emotional roller coaster payoff. And then and then it's just over. So kind of it in the end it. It was the right amount of focus mm-hmm. that I needed. Like, it, it was actually hit a sweet spot for me of just, like, nice. I'm engaged the whole time without feeling, like, overwhelmed. Because I think also when things go too fast, I just don't see some of the stuff that happens. And then I get right. lost. And then I don't know who the characters are. And then I feel... And then I just lose focus. Because I'm like, well, I don't even know who this is. Like, I've, like, lost the emotional stakes. Or I'm just trying... I feel like I'm catching up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this movie, it went at a pace that felt more comfortable to me. Because I feel like I always knew what was happening and I knew what we information we had and I felt like I was given the information for long enough that I could be thinking about it and trying to figure out who did it and what happened um so and then and then I think it had yeah it had some moments of just being like oh that was good like <laughs> you know like that uh, so yeah I mean do we have anything before we give rating we want to say about it I, I think we've 
yeah, come to a natural uh, stopping point. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want to go first? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Yeah, solid... Uh, solid 2400 nice honestly yeah i think it's i, I think 24 to 25 is kind of my this was a really good movie yeah <laughs> it's not it's not great but it's not bad it's great it's or, you know, it's fine yeah it's, it's really good it's something it'd be something fun to watch on a cozy evening you know with a with a friend or with people who really like mystery movies yeah so yeah i don't uh, i don't necessarily think we uh, Van Johnson's performance is one of the best blind performances we've ever seen. No. Wasn't really that engaging sometimes, to be honest. But I think it's fine. Yeah, it's a, you're like it's it's fine. It's fine. It's it's fine. fine. It was fun. It was, yeah, I, I enjoyed the mystery very much and the plot. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it a twenty three hundred. Cool. Um, I yeah, I I agree. This performance is not that great. Like it, it's just kind of you know I. I he never, he never fully felt like he committed totally. Like, he mm. tries and kind of does stuff within the context of the movie. But, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, he's there. He's playing a blind yeah. character, I guess. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I really did enjoy the just kind of the twists and turns of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed... Um, just, yeah, the, the, the way that it dealt with blindness, actually, specifically, I thought was really nice to not have it be nothing was too ham-fisted and it was all felt kind of right grounded in a way yeah yeah and and um so some interesting even if some of the blindness stuff was like i was like Mm. some of it also i was like (laughs) oh this is kind of a cool take on a blind person's perceptions like i felt like his perception specifically the way that he dealt with they dealt with how much even just the fact that he talks about being much more aware of the emotional stakes of things and it's like you know it's not just like well we think we know we we know there's five senses which spoil alert there's 23 of them but (laughs) Like, you know, so what is smell? Okay, perfume, which they do that. But like, but then the fact that he is attuned to the meaning behind what people are saying mm-hmm. or, you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of, there's a little bit or even just the locating the sounds in the room and that kind right. of understanding of all these different aspects right. of um, perception. Well, yeah, and he and Gene get in a fight over, he's listening to the recording of the conversation over and over and over and over again. And, and he's like, you can only see with your eyes. And <laughs> I'm hearing, I'm listening. There's something in here that we're missing yeah which is like i mean it could that blind character i mean i'm like this could be a trope and maybe it is some cultural context but like in u.s culture we don't even have that is never a trope that a blind person like it it feels like it's like a trope that should be more of a trope like because i'm like that i wouldn't have a problem with like the face touching is especially in time of coronavirus (laughs) very unsanitary Mm -hmm. but like the idea that blind people are so aware of things that sighted people are not like why is that not the trope that we see over and over again like that is easily a trope but i want to see it more it's a trope i yes. can get behind oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so so yeah that's that's 23 paces to baker street mm-hmm it is not an address. It is, a, in fact, a movie. <laughs> it's an actual movie. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> we did a 50s movie this week. Yeah. What are we doing next week? Last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, I am picking a movie from uh, 1963. Ooh, um, nice. So we're going decade by decade. And mm-hmm. unless next week you decide you're tired of this. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is called Music in Darkness. It's an um, Igmar Bergman film. Oh, brilliant. So it is, it is in Swedish, but... Oh, that's that's all right. I'm I I'm stoked. Yeah. Yeah. It will be very interesting. It's not as um, talked about one. I don't think. Um, but it is all on YouTube. At least last time I checked. I don't know how legit the copy of it that's on YouTube is, but at least you can make the subtitles really big to read mm-hmm, it. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for big subtitles. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was music and darkness. What we're watching next week. Ooh, I'm excited. excited. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be fun. Um, what were you, uh, what is your blind aside this week? Okay, my blind aside this week, um, is honestly stupid. <laughs> it's, Ooh, it's very, yeah. it's very stupid. I love stupid. Uh, so, uh, about a month ago, I downloaded, I randomly downloaded this game on my iPad, uh, Star Trek Legends. Oh. And finally, last week, I actually booted it up and got around to playing it. And it is... 
uh, it's it's a mobile game, and basically you're you're fighting the the Nexus uh, energy, and the the tagline of the game is "Lead the ultimate away team," because you're all trapped in basically this crazy time stream, and so your away team can consist of crew members from all of the Star Trek <laughs> series. So like right now, my away team is. Worf and Riker from TNG, the next generation, Janeway from Voyager, uh, and Bones McCoy from the original series. <laughs> and sometimes I swap out for Michelle uh, Bachman from uh, Discovery. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty insane. The gameplay itself, I mean, it's not a great game. It's really not. Uh, it's incredibly repetitive. I, I don't understand what the necessarily what the hook is to keep you going to get to the end of the game because it's very much one of those like pick people and then you fight people and then you fight more people and then you fight more people and Borg and Gorn and people and the story is fun because it's it is fun to, to see all these you know Star Trek characters come together and <laughs> and do all that and uh, be on the ship and stuff but it's just kind of been a really lovely distraction <laughs> uh, for the past week, and I've just been really enjoying it, and I'm devoting way too much of my time to it. Uh, hashtag not sponsored. I'm not saying you should run out and download this game. <laughs> it's really not good. Uh, You're but, like, I have to do this every week. I'm running out of things. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, I know. This is... Uh, no, no, but... It, it, it's I I guess I'm bringing this up because I this is what I was truly blindsided uh, by this week and it it um I also started rewatching Star Trek Voyager this week so it's been it's been a lot of Trek this week and uh, I'm I'm okay with that I'm more than okay nice. with that and I got Janeway I was playing at like two a.m. last night and I I got Janeway so I was very happy um yeah and I know what that means Captain Janeway uh, she's captain of the of the Voyager. Uh, she's also my favorite Star Trek captain. People are always arguing about like Kirk or Picard, and I'm like, mm, Janeway, y'all. So <laughs> she's I love I love Janeway. Although she was the one I grew up with. So oh yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's my. <laughs> do, you, do you unlock the different? Yes. Oh, I, I will. You you uh, you can unlock, but you also can go to the transporter room in your ship and beam aboard different crew members, and so mm. it's completely random. Oh, so, so I it's like uh, baseball cards. Yes, exactly, cards exactly like that. It, this is a uh, this game is it's it's it's, it's a collectathon basically. That's so funny. Well, yep. I mean, you know what you're gonna do. It's. It's a thing. It's a dumb mobile game that I've been having a lot of fun with. <laughs> Why not? Why? I mean, I I approve of this. Good. Well, and my poor Mac cannot yet run Star Trek Online. So until I can play Star Trek <laughs> Online, I'm play Star Trek Legends. I there guess. Yeah. Maybe other people are in your situation. And, exactly. And this is super helpful and talk to them. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Kate. I'm not adding that much because I have. Uh, trick that's all right that's all right no nothing her that's okay (laughs) nothing her yeah that's all right but yeah that's my blind aside uh watching some star trek voyager and playing some star trek legends sometimes at the same time nice (laughs) trek trekathon trekathon yes all the trek Mm -hmm. Uh, trekked out i don't know thank thank you for listening (laughs) to my trek no babble Okay, yes. <laughs> Enough Star Trek puns. Yes. Okay. Um my um blind sign this week is uh the TV show Grace and Frankie. Oh yeah. On Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a Netflix show. Um but yeah, it's it's um I don't know, I think probably a lot of people already know the plot of it. But um you have um uh Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda's husbands are uh break up with them to become a couple and it's just about two older women basically who are um needing to be uh on their own without a husband for the first time and just the them and and also i mean they're the name of the show but then and then also their husbands as a couple and and it's just kind of a you know like um episode by episode show where it's engaging but you don't have to commit a lot of emotional energy to it you know it's just kind of fun it's just it, it's a very light show I think in a lot of ways but it's kind of cool to have like a show about two older women mm-hmm. and um their characters are in their I think 70s or 80s and so there's a lot about them like 
create a vibrator for people with arthritis. And there's a lot of (laughs) kind of, I mean, like, in I think ableism and and ageism Mm -hmm. are are closely connected. So it is also somewhat relatable in the way that they get frustrated with their kids, like, you know, acting like they're older like there is weirdly some stuff where I'm like oh this this feels very like very relatable to me of like how they're being treated because they're they're older so it is it's a fun show and and not the kind of thing you get that much on tv so it's on Netflix Grace and Frankie um yeah that's my Blind aside this week. Brilliant. We did an episode that was so tight. We, we did it. So Just tight. boom, boom, boom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Um, <laughs> come back next week, and we're gonna get very film school. I'm we're we're gonna, you're come back next week to get Ingmar Bergman. Yeah, Bergman. <laughs> Ber- get Bergman. Get Bergman. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> our theme song is by Lucia Fasano. Our YouTube is Citizen White Cane Podcast. Our Twitter is White Cane Pod. Our Instagram and our Facebook are both Citizen White Cane. You can send us an email to citizenwhitecanepod at gmail.com if you'd like to leave us a voice message. There's a link in the show notes. Um, how many paces do you think it would take you to, to Baker Street? Do you have a very cantankerous live-in butler? Ooh, yes. And did you become blind and then be like, oh, I can't date anyone. And then you're like, I'm being dumb. I can totally <laughs> date someone. It's not a big deal. Um, any of those things, you can leave us a voice message. Um, there's a link in the show notes or hit us up on any of the other social media. Um, you can uh, rate the podcast or do rate it and review the podcast as well um subscribe for new episodes mm-hmm. you know how podcasts work um <laughs> we'll see you next week for music in darkness what a what a title what a title we'll see you then <laughs> bye bye <laughs>